Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles, and welcome to the show. Yay! Uh, today we are returning to healing. I feel like we're going to do a lot of returning to healing here on this show, whether it's taking a new direction early on or simply realizing that feeling better is healing, healing ourselves if we have any chance of <laughs> not being a drain on the world, really, if we have any chance in sharing our gifts, our talents, our joys, our passions, we can share them so much more beautifully and clearly and effectively without any relationship toward headed to burnout town <laughs> when we heal ourselves or when we are in that process at least of working toward feeling better and healing ourselves. I was chatting with some new friends on their podcast, The Hustlers, Adam Hustler and his beautiful wife, and getting to know them. I feel like I've known them for a little while through the internet, how we all kind of do. And they have this beautiful podcast where they interview people about healing and about career and all of these things. And they asked me why I chose feel better as a mantra or a title. And it was really an interesting conversation about getting into yoga or healing for one thing, maybe it's the physical, and then staying in it for the mental or the emotional or the spiritual connection that people often find. And that's a super common story. It's really not my story though. For whatever reason, I always have felt, at least when I feel connected, like a big soup of everything. Nothing is separate. My body, my mind, my soul, they're ingredients <laughs> to how I'm here and to who I am potentially really. You know, that big question, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Besides my name, besides my body, besides my life, besides my story in the world, you know, who am I? That big kind of soul question. And I feel that, and I know that a lot of people, if not everyone, at least has some moment in your life when you remember that. That's why I love this practice of yoga for healing and also for celebration of life, for basic maintenance <laughs> of our, our life vehicle here, our body, our mind, our emotions, our whole self, when we practice with this 
intention, not just mental intention, but how we move intention of feeling better. It's not superficial. It's not about aches and pains and body only, but yes, of course, (laughs) our aches and pains, our physical complaints about ourselves are also connected to everything else going on with us, connected to our emotional life, our mental life, our spiritual life. It gets really not fair and predatory when we make these connections too rigid. You know, you can heal yourself with your mind. Well, maybe somebody did once, (laughs) but that shouldn't be our overall prescription for everything. You can fix your broken leg by meditation. If somebody can, cool, awesome, high fives. But you know, most of us are gonna wanna go to the doctor for that and get a cast. Hopefully we have access to the common sense ways to heal as well. So I think it's really important to realize that all the parts of our healing are connected, but to not get too weird about it, to not get too desperate about it as well, but to not get too separate about it as well. There's something really common in the yoga world that says, oh, well, here's the physical part of the practice. We're gonna do that for you know 30 minutes in the beginning. We're gonna really go hard. And in the last 20 minutes, we're gonna focus on our spirituality, you know, our mental state, our life, what's happening. And that's a huge miss. How you move is such a great opportunity to get to know yourself, get to know how you're doing. I love artists, music especially, because an artist will say something so clearly and we can relate to it. You know, something's happened in here, the Buffalo Springfield song. (laughs) It's not entirely clear. I'm not the best singer in the world, but there you go. Or Marvin Gaye. What's going on? What's going on? Or Lauren Hill, everything is everything. Or your favorite one, you know, let me know. <laughs> Leave me a comment or however that works here. Send me a voicemail of your favorite artist, your favorite line from a song that reminds you that how you do something relates to the bigger picture, the bigger part of you, the all of you. So healing, my goodness, it's huge. But again, we get so lost in it when it can become manipulative for sure, especially in the wellness world. We all have seen that go horribly wrong in so many ways. That's why it's super necessary to have these conversations or at least have a leader in your life, whether it's a family member, maybe you're that leader for your friends. That's the common sense that says, hey, you know, maybe you should go get that checked out. Hey, It's great you're doing yoga, but make sure to leave the house every once in a while. Make sure to go and talk to your family. Don't cut out your life. Don't cancel the people that love you. You know, that happens so much in yoga. I remember going to New York and doing all kinds of different things to, you know, pay my rent and whatever, but I was starting to get into yoga. And a lot of the people that were practicing yoga then well, I was only 19, 20, 21, but they were so much older than me. I feel like so many more young people now practice because it's gotten cool, yay. But there were people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that were my kind of hangaround folks in yoga, in the yoga studios. 
and they had started yoga. And a lot of them had found this kind of tunnel of healing. They said, man, my childhood was bad. My grown up life, not so good. <laughs> you know, 10 different relationships didn't work out. The job didn't work out. Whatever it was, it was like a country song. But I found this yoga and I feel really safe here. I feel really healed here in this room, in this place with these people. And that honestly just scared the crap out of me. I thought, well, if you can only make that happen in this place, you know, what happens when you go outside, when you go back into the world? The bubble needs to be everywhere. It needs to be your whole life. And a lot of these folks had cut off their parents from their life or cut off their family or didn't keep their friends from different phases of life. And I really didn't understand that, to be honest. I'm like, well, I'm not going to cut out my family. That's just not so nice. <laughs> it doesn't mean I need to hang out with them every single day of my whole life, but I'm still going to go home for the holidays. You know, I may have learned a few more things. I may bring a juicer and say, hey, let's try this juicing thing out. I'm just learning from Chris Carr. You know, she's she's super nice. And she sent me a juicer, literally. What a great, amazing leader she is. <laughs> she didn't need to do that. I met her. And she said, Tara, you're doing all this yoga, but you're still eating gummy bears and soda and wraps from the deli or whatever you think are healthy. I'm going to send you a juicer. She had a deal with Breville, I think, or maybe, I don't know, somehow she said, I have a whole bunch of them in my garage. <laughs> I'm just going to mail you one. I said, this is amazing. So thanks to Chris Carr, I know she's helped millions of people eat better, eat more vegetables, calm down, slow down, all of the things. She's been such a great leader and friend to me, honestly. So I feel super lucky. But this whole idea of creating a smaller life for healing really just scared me. I didn't really want to judge it because I didn't know enough to say, well, that's wrong. But it just really kind of flipped me out in a way. <sighs> so I just kind of put it away. And I think about it sometimes when it comes to people in the world that I'm friends with or I know or whatever, you know, now with the internet, you kind of know everybody. <laughs> and you see the world's become smaller and more insular and people start to act and dress and talk like they're friends and things become really tribal and really almost prepared for battle against anybody that could question their choices at all. And this is sort of in the name of healing. Oh, I need this in order to feel better. And again, that, that still just really scares me. I love this concept of healing as you feeling better in your life with all of the stuff of your life currently. We don't need to get up and change everything about ourselves. We don't need to get up and move or sell the house or leave the relationship or whatever it is or change jobs. That doesn't need to be the first thing or even ever. And I think that that's super cool <laughs> to know that we have freedom to help ourselves and really notice what's going on with us. All of us, all of us, meaning like all the parts of you and me together, but we do our own work, right? And then maybe there's some things that need to change. Of course, you know, life is always change. 
but I think it's too easy to run away from or run toward something that makes us feel instantly better that isn't necessarily better for us. And we all have that version of whatever that's been, whether it's running to a a relationship that makes us feel better, quitting our job because we didn't want that job, you know, but we didn't have another job lined up and oops, have to pay the rent or whatever that is. So, you know, you got to figure those things out eventually at some point. So I think it's really cool having a practice that can work for us to include every part of our lives. And I want to talk about Tai Chi in this episode. I'm going to bring Mike on for our caller, essentially. And I just want to set Mike up with the topic of how we met. And, you know, selfishly, I want to hear, I'm going to give him privacy when he talks, but I want to hear his impressions of not just me, like, oh, here's this girl in New York, whatever, (laughs) hanging around, but impressions of how I was approaching healing at that time. You know, I was doing my own stuff and sharing yoga and teaching yoga and making YouTube videos. And I was also doing a ton of other random things. I thought, no one's going to discover me. I'm not going to get picked up and thrown into this awesome life. So I was kicking around all of these things. Maybe some of them would work. Some of them don't. That's really how my life goes, actually. Maybe you relate. (laughs) But I had this one idea. I knew all these really cool people that were doing interesting things, trying to help people feel better. Really, it all always comes back to feeling better for me. And my friend Kim Struther, who's still doing awesome stuff, she's a physical trainer. She also does yoga now. I try to get her into yoga, you know, way back. She's like, no, no, I can't do that. (laughs) But now she's teaching it. So I thought, okay, I'll get together Kim and me. And there was another girl that I knew. She was kind of the first nutritionist that I had ever met. And she was literally helping people in New York eat better. And I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) I didn't know that was a possibility for a way to spend your time. So I thought it'd be really cool if we all kind of got in this camper and went around America and filmed it or had it be filmed. And it was on, you know, one of these reality networks, but like a positive reality show, not really a makeover show, but like we'd come over to people's houses and be like, Hey, what do you need? We got a yoga teacher, a fitness coach, and a nutritionist. Like we're going to camp out in the yard until you tell us how we can help you. (laughs) That was the idea. So I was kind of kicking around a bunch of little projects like that when I met Mike And I was really motivated and ambitious to do something with myself in this space of interconnected healing in a real world way. And funny thing about meeting Mike was I knew I was in trouble. Like, oh, here he is. (laughs) This is the guy that I'm going to marry or at least, you know, be with. And it feels right, I know that, but it doesn't feel wrong in that way of I was headed toward wrong (laughs) so much in my life. Wrong in all the ways, the wrong relationships, you know, the fun ones, but the bad ones, the wrong foods, the wrong everything, you know, the wrong ways to spend my time. I was always pretty focused with my ambition and with my, my work. You know, I would always make sure I was home so I could get up in the morning and, and be ambitious. You know, that, that was always really important to me because I have this deep desire 
to not be a drain on someone else and not to be dependent on someone else. Even just financially, I, I don't want to, <laughs> it's just, it's probably something that needs to be healed as well. But I, I, I really value that ability to stand on my own two feet. So I would always prioritize, like I need to get home because I need to get up in the morning and do this gig or whatever, that kind of a thing. But I was running toward the wrong relationship. So when I saw Mike at this, you know, what I thought was a, a joke weekend, an Easter weekend, going to this ashram that looked like the scene of a horror movie, you know, it could be Girl Interrupted Part 2.5, you know, the B movie, all these girls were kind of outside wandering around. They'd cut off their families, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. I met him there and he was, you know, a normal guy. And I'm like, oh, geez, a normal guy that I felt this connection with. And I, I just felt like, oh, this is going to happen and we're going to be together. And it felt really safe and moving toward healing in this way. And it's funny because Mike talks about these Tai Chi gates and, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was reading some Ram Dass books that I think I'd found at the library. And my dad uh, joined the Navy out of high school and he got into nuclear engineering. He was always really good at math, that kind of thinker, I suppose. Silent, str like strong, calm, silent type, I suppose. Um, never really said much. <laughs> Still doesn't say much. We try to get him to talk. But he had these kind of Einstein books around and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So I'm thinking about healing and spirituality and how everything's connected. And I find my way to some acid <laughs> and I dropped acid a few times. And, you know, this sounds super corny, but it really was for a spiritual pursuit in a way. I didn't become like an addict. Thankfully, I don't have that personality or that genetic um, link, whatever it's called. Really grateful for that because I was very experiment, experimental. But I remember dropping acid with my friend in our woods and it was it started to rain, which was really cool for us, for me. And we started walking around and I started asking her if she saw these gates opening. And she said, no, no, I see this, I see this. I was like, oh, okay, it's different for everybody. So I would literally see these gates opening and the colors were neon, but non-abrasive. And these were things that I had also seen, you know, as a kid, not on acid, <laughs> as a teen, when I was calm or right before bed, if the room was really pitch black, you know, the door was closed, no light coming in kind of a thing. Even with my eyes open, I would see kind of DNA swirling type things where the color brown would be so beautiful and rich, kind of like peanut brittle getting cooked, if you've ever seen that. But sort of like if there was a LED light underneath it kind of a thing. So I remember these gates opening and that feeling from back then. And then I remember hanging out with Mike for a few days. And literally it was one of those things, and maybe you've experienced this too, where we were sitting at a cafe having, you know, 85 cups of coffee because we didn't plan on having lunch. We're just sitting there talking and talking and talking and talking until somebody has to go. And I told him, I feel like these gates are opening. And he didn't really say much about it, but I think that he kind of clicked in about these Tai Chi gates. I didn't know anything about the Tai Chi gates, you know, of the practice of Tai Chi. 
But it's interesting to me that Mike grew up doing these kinds of things more military focused. I don't know how much that he wants to share. I still try to get things out of him and I don't really. But I know that he grew up with his dad, his uncle and his grandfather doing this kind of a Tai Chi thing, you know, military focused. And he was probably headed in that direction and did other things. I think his mom didn't want him to do a lot of physical things, so they hid it from her. You know, all of these kind of stories you can't really get out of somebody (laughs) one by one. But his friends from high school, he went to Sleepaway High School. I would have loved to go to Sleepaway High School, by the way. I mean, you get thrusted into adulthood then. How cool is that? You have more independence. But his friends from high school confirmed, okay, yeah, Mike would disappear for a month at a time and be in Japan and he'd be doing some, what now is the MMA kind of a thing, but he'd be doing some martial arts, you know, fight where the head of Fuji would be there and give him something. And it wasn't in a publicity way where now is kind of glorified and this violence and all of that. You know, what I have gotten out of him, he says, you know, we don't talk about it. You don't talk about these kind of things. And I've always been drawn to these kind of people, you know, whether it's military or fire department or police, you know, men and women, whoever, that just keep people safe and they don't make a big deal about it. Love it. So I've had a lot of friends over the years that have come to the studio that have been kind of going into that for a career. You know, if you guys have met Fireman Ed, I call him Fireman Ed. (laughs) Ed is his first name but he's fire department, police department, but really he kind of calls us and he's like, I'll be in Africa for the next six months. You know, can you watch my dog? I can't really tell you where I'm going. So whenever he would come into the studio, we'd play the Jason Bourne music theme and he'd be like, turn it off. (laughs) But it'd be our little inside joke, you know? So that's fun. Another similar experience with that was was teaching yoga at one of Deepak's conferences. Feel so lucky he invited me to do this kind of a thing. And there was a group of military folks there. And they were the first people there, of course, the last people to leave, love it. And we had this little bond going. I would talk to them before the class and ask them how they're feeling, you know, this big group. And when the event was over, one of the guys stood up and, and, and had me stand up in front of like hundreds of people and Deepak and, and the staff. And he said, I just want to thank Deepak and the staff for having us here. And I want Tara Stiles to stand up. And then I'm, I'm literally beat red, like shaking. What's he going to say? <laughs> Am I in trouble? You know? And he said, you know, you're really helping. You're really serving here. Something like that. It was just a, a moment of appreciation. And he pulled me aside later and he said something to me that was not for me to repeat to anybody else, he said. And I literally felt like I was in trouble. He pulled me up really close to his face and it was a profound action-oriented message that had been passed on to him and then to me. And I thought, wow, this is really, really cool. And that message, it's just such a clear thing, super propels me forward to do the things that I do. So. Healing is a really powerful thing when we can include it in our real lives. And again, that's part of my mission here to take this outside of the yoga mat. And I'm really proud of our Strala community because we're a healthy community. How we move, 
is everything. You know, we don't have to pretend or emperor's new clothes or any of that or uh, blessings and mantras and stuff. It's just be a good person and you don't have to act like that's a big deal if that's how you're practicing all the time. And yoga for me, especially now learning more about Tai Chi, is really a practice of including your whole self not suffering through something that's challenging in order to break on through to the other side, another amazing song, but to look at what you're setting up for yourself that is challenging. See if you can not just check out and wait for it to be over, essentially induce yourself with a traumatic experience on purpose. <laughs> that's what yoga can be. Whoa, not good. But include your whole self Notice what you're using, what you're using that you don't need to be using. Drop any extra effort. Focus all of your attention on doing the task at hand and then drop the rest. So essentially, you feel better in that process and you're able to do so much more. And that's the holy grail of life. And this is the main message that I learned from Tai Chi. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. to bring Mike on and I'm going to set this up with asking him about how he felt or thought about where I was in my healing stage <laughs> of healing and also sharing with others and how he thinks about and practices Tai Chi as a practice of healing. And after Mike says whatever he's going to say. I'm not going to listen to this until the podcast comes out. So I'm going to be surprised with you all. We can <gasps> together, hopefully, <laughs> enjoy. After he finishes up here, I'll come back and lead a nice connected meditation where we invite a good feeling in, a feeling that we would like to have. So enjoy, Mike, and see you soon. Hey, everybody. So need to take a walk back through time to meeting Tara. Uh, there's, uh, there's, I guess, three things that I want to talk to you about here. One is that. Uh, another is uh, walking along this healing path, uh, starting when I was a kid through martial arts, Tai Chi, Qigong, a few others. And then uh, the last is this sort of road into healing now, uh, using Qigong and Tai Chi for, uh, 
for surviving. So the, the walk back through time is about 15 years ago. And I was at a yoga camp in upstate New York. I would often be uh, basically alternating between climbing some mountains off somewhere and then coming back and checking myself into one of these places. And the why behind that is a longer story. But uh, one time when I was in a yoga camp, there was this girl. And she could do yoga. She uh, could apparently drive a wellness van all around the country helping people. So that was in her plans. She had plans for everything. Uh, she could dance, which um, I should add, there's three things that I was doing way back then. Uh, climbing mountains, coming back, checking into a yoga camp, and uh, buying solo tickets for myself to go watch the New York City Ballet or ABT. And when I found out that she could do that too, like, oh, this girl can do everything. But there was a wait a minute because one of the things she, she had done that forget exactly where in the first couple of conversations I found out about this, she had written a play uh, or movie, it would become, about yoga. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I do yoga. I do a lot of yoga. I'm in all the yoga. So I thought, um, I know, what's this about? And, well, here was her play um, slash movie that was Escape from Yoga Camp. And it was uh, about the cor corruption and uh, conspirituality, to borrow a term from our really awesome friend, Derek Barras, who has a podcast called Conspirituality and doing lots of amazing stuff. So Tara, uh, in a very similar vein, was here writing about some things that, that weren't all right in the world of yoga. And well, here I was uh, going to pretty much every place I could with, you know, you'd get into the ashram. And I, you know, I was from, from Los Angeles to India. I was doing all of it. You know, there would be a picture of, of the guru up on the wall where we'd be practicing. This would be someone who either may have already been convicted or, or would be in the next number of years of pretty serious ethical, psychological, financial abuses, uh, uh, illegal things. And yet here we all were um, in varying degrees of knowing that, not caring. And uh, just doing our practice, I, you know, it was great for me. Uh, I was, uh, in in some ways, uh, you know, I was full in. And so here's Tara, and she's writing about, well, wait a second, that that's not okay. And you know, to be honest, it, it took uh, almost until now <laughs> for me to really unravel that and under understand Tara. So along this path to understanding Tara and, you know, um, what's going on with this girl? It, it was not until fairly recently where uh, Tara and I both got to take part in a, a healing conference, a healing support for trauma conference uh, led by some amazing clinicians and researchers, uh, Dr. Vanderkolk, Dr. Levine, Dr. Porges. And here, uh, one of these clinicians started talking about uh, how the need for belonging 
So often with people, uh, especially in trauma, but across many uh, challenges, the need for belonging with human beings can trump the need for truth. The need for belonging can trump the need for truth. And, you know, what I realized, it, it all kind of came pouring out. Uh, what I realized is, well, that goes a long way to explaining uh, something that I'd had so much trouble understanding, which was why can so many of us, myself included, feel like uh, so, there's so much benefit and we're so much behind and so much supporting uh, whole systems and lineages of yoga that are so fraught with, with abuse, uh, both ethically and, and legally problematic. And why do we all do this so much, or at least a good group of us, including me? And, you know, I was like, wow, this explains it. This is, now I get it. Took a long time, wish I got it earlier, but now I get it. It's that this, it was giving me and so many in my group and all these groups, um, it was fulfilling this need to belong. At often coming into yoga, a vulnerable time, a, a time of great need, I needed it. And, and so it gave that belonging and, and almost everything else faded away. But what was really interesting is these, these clinicians were sharing from, you know, now we can peer into even people's brains and, and see, well, these are the pathways that are working, when things are good, when things aren't good, this is what gets broken, and we need to go through this pathway and this part of the brain first in order to open the door into healing. And, and so with all of this amazing stuff going on, they were able to say something which, which hit me here, which is you need to get back to truth, that need for belonging, trumping the need for truth. The need for truth is more dominant along the path for healing. That, that trump card uh, actually gets in the way of healing. And, and this hit me and just, wow, this is so important to understand. Now, I, I think more, <laughs> now so many years later, maybe more than ever, I understand Tara. Because here is someone who the need for truth, 100% right up at the top the whole time. And belonging, yes, absolutely. But truth has to come first. And here she was unabashedly saying, it's not okay to have some good stuff, including fulfilling our need for belonging, alongside of so much that's not good. As again, our friend, uh, you know, Derek Barras and all of his work is doing such an amazing job highlighting, you know, tarot has been and, and uh, will continue to be on that path, I think. The whole big picture matters. and uh, So that's a little bit about Tara, meeting her in one of these yoga camps. And then in a way, healing my relationship with yoga, because here on the one hand, I had uh, studied mind-body medicine. I had studied many different martial arts from a practical standpoint, uh, not so much from a a cultural or um, lineage or spiritual basis. It was more uh, um, just for my family uh, as a, a military family coming in and learning everything from uh, this has to work. <laughs> you know? Also for other stories, some of which are shareable, some of which aren't. But 
it, it needs to, if, if a martial art is being practiced, it, it needs to protect and defend, uh, not pretend to protect and defend, but actually work in real life in any room or any theater you go into. That was my growing up. And then same for the healing aspect. Uh, this needs to work when the need is real. Uh, and in my family, it happened. Part of my attraction to healing was that everyone in my family uh, was getting cancer. First, my grandfather was a huge part of my life, my dad, my brother, and on down the line. And so I needed to solve this, couldn't figure out how to solve it within uh, Western traditions that, that I was getting exposure to uh, at, you know, gradually rising levels as I got older. And so uh, same with, as I was studying Tai Chi, Qigong, Gong Fu, uh, these things needed to not just work in the room with, a, with an elevated teacher, they needed to work with everyone in any room. Um, so that was the standard that was applied. It was very practical. I think I missed some of the culture along the way, but the practical was, you know, it was good because uh, there was a lot of doing. There was some storytelling, but usually that the storytelling, the stuff you could read in a book, the academic side of all of these practices, the philosophy over the course of 40 years. Yeah, we got into that <laughs> doing this a long time. But uh, that was mostly just to take a break from the doing, the practicing in, in every context imaginable. You know, I got into all of this a long time ago where there were competitions, a lot of them, um, because if you're going to learn something practically, it's one of the things I think is, you know, it's maybe brutal, but Krav Maga, you know, it, it's, uh, it's very clear. You don't know anything about poking someone's eye out unless you've done it five or six times. That's not for everybody, luckily, uh, but it's true. Uh, you can't talk about it, read about it, even watch someone else do it and know anything about it. Uh, you, you know things about things when you've done the things, uh, really, in a usable sense. So there were competitions, but, you know, Tara often pushes me on this. She's like, make sure people know. This is a long time ago. Um, things were not like MMA uh, then, and uh, that's not what I was doing. Um, there was winning going on and uh, losing. But the idea of competition, the idea of getting uh, into this, this learning and practice was trying to learn things that you, you really just couldn't be good at for a long, long time. It wasn't something, uh, you know, try teaching me when I was 12 or even when I was 22 or 32 or 42, patience, uh, ability to see myself, to see what's really here in all of me, what's really here all around me, and how to find harmony with that, how to not uh, just push through in places where I had the strength to push through, uh, but find a better way. Uh, so that's, if you can imagine, um, that's the point of uh, what I was trying to learn. I didn't know that that's what I was trying to learn. This is like soccer, martial arts, you know, uh, just one more thing that, and, and I, you know, really dove into because I, I loved it and, and I had a lot of support um, for that. But I would say it wasn't until uh, much more recently, yesterday, <laughs> that 
in in practice now, having gone through uh, meeting Tara, understanding um, in a way the rift between what I had learned when I was younger uh, and practiced so much, which was uh, a mix of mind-body medicine, of Eastern medical traditions, Eastern martial traditions, uh, putting those very much into practice, far more than talking or reading about it. Uh, so having real experiences um, by the boatload and then coming into yoga where here's suddenly a world where um, uh, there's uh, people talking about how twists are detoxing. Uh, organs don't work that way. I know sweat is detoxing. Uh, some of the first things you hear, look, if sweat is detoxing you, then a whole lot of organ systems have gone wrong <laughs> beforehand. Uh, and, you know, you're probably not in a hot yoga class sweating it out in order to get detox. So, you know, the list goes on. Um, but hearing all this stuff where the, well, this is neither scientific nor sensical, uh, but still being part of it and, and really, in a way, having two me's, there are probably many me's, but there were definitely two me's, at least there, of stuff I had done and understood for a lot of the rest of my life and then fulfilling this need for belonging and doing practices that, that I, you know, I thought were helping me in different ways. And then Tara and not even understanding maybe until recently this, this difference between need for belonging and need for truth and the healing necessity of understanding truth and being able to say, this is harmful, this is not, this is true, this is, this is not. Uh, that, that that's actually really important to a healing path. It's a, a necessary step along the way. So I, I think it was this meeting tarot without me knowing it that put back together these two me's that allowed the, you know, it never occurred to me that you could change yoga, that it wasn't, well, there are these really cool things about Qigong, 5,000 years old. There's there's a stuff in yoga that I'm doing seems to be good. A lot of seems to be disagreement there. Uh, you know, look and remember yoga is, as we practice it now, not 5,000 years old. Qigong, substantially, many practices, so many, much of this, substantially intact for that length of time. Yoga, what we're practicing, a lot of it's less than 50 years old. Uh, you know, um, the, the poses, the getting one pose to the next, less than 100 years old, certainly. So very different lineage, uh, very different basis for legitimacy too. Very different level of testing. <sighs> but Tara uh, came up with this radical idea that there was a lot of potential here. Like everybody could be doing this. There's a, a set of forms here that are a wonderful way to create a safe space to feel, to feel what you're feeling, experience what you're experiencing. Hey, what's going on in me? Really? How can I transform that into something better? She saw that if we could dispense with the stuff that needs dispensing with the not truth, then there's a path to that with yoga, just like for 5,000 years, there's been a path to that with Qigong and Tai Chi. So that was a radical idea that you could change yoga to, uh, to bring it to that. So that the big picture, the whole picture was helping, not some stuff that's good along with the negative side effects. 
And then um, for me, this long road to healing, um, you know, why Qigong for me now? Uh, and I say Qigong even before Tai Chi. Tai Chi is, it draws from Qigong, it's maybe 800 years old. Uh, so as a martial and a healing and, a, and just a being a better human art, uh, an all day long life art, um, Qigong actually comes first. And I'd say for my, for my life now, why here? I think Qigong, because it's so simple and so basic and so not requiring special memorization or, you know, complicated forms, it's the closest thing to just this is written into my biology and, and yours and all of ours. You know, if you've jumped up and down before uh, when you're cold or, or, uh, or to wake up or shivered when you're cold or uh, taking a big breath to alert yourself or... Uh, just a big exhale to let it go and release and relax. That's all Qigong. So these practices are so simple and take so little time that uh, for me needing this all the time, I know that now, uh, for me, it's the closest I can get to really carrying it always, um, constantly with me without a need to leave it without a need to have, this is my practice time. And then there's the rest of time uh, that, that gradually becomes different and then back. So uh, that's, that's Qigong for me. And that's Tai Chi for me. It's the, the simple, simple stuff that I don't need to, as long as I remember I, uh, to practice, I don't need to talk about off the mat and into the world. It's just there. And it's, it's really straightforward to, to just carry it into everything. So I hope that helps. Welcome back. I'm sure that was interesting <laughs> and hopefully useful as well. Let's do a nice, simple meditation practice to invite a feeling that's useful inside. And I don't really even know how this kind of happened. I think it's a spinoff of what I learned from Deepak and Malika of who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? I started really thinking about feelings. So much feelings. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings, right? <laughs> all of these things. And literally how we're all chasing a feeling all the time. When you invite a good friend over, they make you feel a certain way. You know, we all have our friend. Hopefully you have your friend that just makes you laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And then you have your friend who makes you feel more calm. And then you have that person who makes you feel like you can do anything. Yes, I feel empowered. I can go and live out my dreams. I feel more energized about my life, you know? So the intention of this kind of a, meditation, breath work, practice, whatever you want to call it that makes it feel more normal to you is to create that feeling with ourself, kind of self-created, you know, like a single cell division. <laughs> you just need you to do this. And part of my idea for this is it's so easy to try to get feelings from things that are not healthy for us, things that don't actually make us feel better. 
And we all have a million variations of that, whether creating a whole life of a shopping addiction or an alcohol addiction or a sugar addiction or a bad relationship addiction or a phone addiction, whatever it is. It doesn't even need to be an addiction, but we're chasing some sort of feeling of calm, of peace, of abundance, of success, of happiness, you know, whatever it is. So let's see if we can just nourish that need a little bit without the the stuff of it. And then when we go out and do all the things, we hopefully just make better choices. I know that sounds so corny as well, but really it it helps. (laughs) All right. So let's give it a try. Let yourself be cozy here. A little shift and drift, whether that's side to side or easy forward and back. Rolling your way toward a simple centered place that only you know the exact location. Notice your breath moving through you. Notice your breath moving you. Physically out like a big globe with your inhales and in resting, following your exhales, but also emotionally. Notice your breath moving you. Noticing when you're soft enough here, your breath can move you. And notice how you feel, what's going on. Don't need to try to change anything about how you feel right now. Just notice how cool is it that little science experiment that when you put your attention on something, that something changes. It's just a science thing now. (laughs) How cool is that? So put your attention on yourself. Say, hey, oh, that's going on. Well, let me just give that some attention. So much of what we all really want, that good attention. And from here, now that you've softened and noticed a little bit, there's a feeling you'd like to have more of. Maybe it's calm, ease, happiness, abundance, joy. It could be a buffet, you know. Fill up your plate with feelings. (laughs) Invite that feeling or those feelings right inside, right into your center. If you want, you can bring your hands to your belly, right into your hara. It's where you move from, most powerful. 
And invite that feeling in. You don't need to do anything. Just open the door like you'd open the door to a good friend, that friend that makes you laugh, that friend that makes you feel calm, that friend that makes you feel empowered. And invite that feeling in. Bring it into your favorite place in your house. Maybe it's on the floor by a window, in your kitchen. Give that friend a good seat. Maybe bring them a glass of water, or a cup of coffee, tea, whatever you got. Your friend's not judging you. They love you. They're happy to see you. They're happy to enjoy whatever you give them. And notice how you feel. Take a big inhale. Long exhale. Let that go, roll around a bit here. Notice how you feel. Don't jump up. <laughs> if you're moving into something next right now, take care of yourself, move swiftly, but also calmly. Move from your center. <sighs> Notice how you feel. Hope you feel a little bit better, more connected. Enjoy all those feelings that you deserve to make a home in you, that you deserve to be a part of you. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Looking forward to the next time with you always. Thanks for being here. See you soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.